Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. We'll take care of all your podcast production so you can focus on your business. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com. Here's the question. Are you a business owner wanting to grow your business, but you're struggling with how your podcast can help? Well, welcome to the show that's about to change all that. I am your host, Cliff Dubinois, and in this podcast, we're taking the problems of podcasting head on. Entrepreneurs like you will share their strategies, tactics, and tips that they use every day with their podcast to make it an effective marketing and revenue tool in their toolkit. Welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Hey there, world changers, and welcome back for a yet another episode of Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Today's guest is a Nebraska native now living in Florida, but she's been in business for 42 years as an entrepreneur. 34 of those years were in a brick and mortar business, 10 years, purely 100% online, which is awesome. And with those 44 years in businesses and over 17,000 clients have taught her that business should always add value back into the world in as many ways as possible. I love that. She's written over 30 lifestyle and wellness courses that are used in over 65 different countries by doctors, life coaches, health coaches, and other health professionals. These programs have been used in clinics, online, and well, as well as private practices. She's passionate about her family, travel, and learning. Love it already. And she's always in love with her work. She credits her amazing team for making her look good and her family for supporting the crazy life of an entrepreneur. And she saw early on that there was a need for business marketing and technology education for wellness practitioners that provides it all through THCG. Kathy is a graduate of the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Body Mind Institute, the University of Virginia, Darden School of Business, Trinity School of Natural Health, Hippocrates Health Services, and has taken numerous courses at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and the Harvard Medical School. She's smart. She's also an avid lifelong learner. Please welcome to the show the host of the Health Coach Conversations podcast, Kathy Sikora. Kathy, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for asking. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what your business is? You know, we started out, I didn't have any intention at all of going into health coaching business. I had gone through IIN and I went to New York and for one of their conferences, which they have great speakers at their conferences. And I got there and there were thousands of people in this room who were health coaches and maybe one or two of them were working. Ooh. And yeah, <laughs> and I thought I, I could probably I knew I could help them because that's how I got into my earlier business. My first 34 years, believe it or not, was as an interior design firm. Oh, wow. And I, yeah. And I started that business by hiring interior designers and marketing and sending them out on appointments. So I thought this is what I'll do for health coaches and these guys will be able to get out. And I do believe that there's a huge need in the world for health coaches to help people get healthy because there's a lot of unhealthy people. And so that's, I actually got started early and it's been so great. It was like a snowball. Right. Yeah. It just grew and grew and grew and grew. And what we do is we create our, our purpose has never changed, but our way of delivering 
the service has over time. We went from finding jobs for health coaches to teaching health coaches how to run their own businesses because there just was no um, employment avenue besides entrepreneurship for health coaches. And so we created wellness programs. And then we started teaching the health coaches how to start their businesses. And we created technology to deliver the wellness programs that we had created. And now um, we have wellness programs all over the place and we have uh, software that delivers it. And it's like we're all over the place, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we've grown because our customers are so open and tell us what they need. And so Sweet. we've evolved that way. Now, so if I understand what you did correctly, you're helping health coaches for that matter with the sales and marketing of their business, as well as giving them, you know, products to be able to sell to their clients. Right. Yeah, okay. we have, we have the wellness programs. We actually have Blue Cross Blue Shield is using some of our programs. Nice. We've got individual health coaches that are using the programs. We've got clinics and hospitals that use our programs. And the nice thing is, is, you know, you get to my age, you figure if I've been doing this for 40 some years, I'm not young, but <laughs> you get to my age and my, I'm past wanting to make pretty things or to make money or any any of that, I want right. to make a difference in the world. And instead of working one-on-one -on -one with people, we are actually providing all these people the materials that they need to help other people become healthy. And so we affect millions and millions and millions of people's lives. This is actually very wonderful. It, I was thinking back to uh, interview number three for this podcast. With, I was talking uh, with a gentleman that's talked about there's essentially three legs to every business out there. You've got your product or your service, which every entrepreneur seems to have nailed, but then you've got marketing and you've got sales. And typically, if a business isn't functioning, one of those three things just isn't firing. So it seems that your health coaches have got the great product or the great service, i.e. themselves and their knowledge, but it's like the marketing and the sales where they really need the help with. And so this is where you've stepped in and said, Hey, I believe in this mission as well. I can actually help you get, get your marketing, get your sales in line. Right. Yeah. And we started out brick and mortar. So we know all the marketing and advertising that there is, right. you know, locally, but it, then we transitioned to online and online marketing is so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of spending $15,000 a week on newspaper advertising, you're sending out a email blast that probably took you five minutes or maybe 15 minutes to put together and it costs nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's really great. So when you're talking about going online, right. And you moved your business online, hundred percent online, you're able to help uh, health coaches at scale. What made you decide to get into podcasting? <laughs> You know what? I had, I'd been blogging. I love blogging. It's like having your own diary that you write into every Beautiful. week, you know? So I was a blogger and I have a customer slash attorney slash event speaker who got into podcasting 
and was on one of my calls for my group and told me that she had a guy who was doing her podcast work. And so it was really easy. And I could not have gotten into podcasting if it wasn't easy. I do the recording. Amanda takes it off of the Zoom or whatever, and then sends it to the podcast guy who edits it and puts it into wherever it goes. See, I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know any of the technology of it, which is what I needed it to be. So it's really hands-free for me. I get the fun of doing the interviews, but not the, uh, the labor of it. But you know what's turned out really good for us is like I'll get calls or emails from people who have been who just happened on our podcast. And I had this one lady, she said, I listened to it all weekend long and she had set an appointment to talk to me. She says, I can't believe I'm talking to you, you know, like I was some kind <laughs> of <laughs> so that it's podcasting has been a nice surprise for me. Plus, I've gotten to interview unbelievable. That's really good. And I I always tell people that when you've got a podcast, you're essentially, you're a media company and it now will give you access to people you just normally would not have access to. But I want to push this. I want to push my question a little bit more. Okay. So you're a blogger. Mm -hmm. You're doing really well with blogging. Why not just continue to blogging? What was it about podcasting that said, you know what, this is better, or this is going to be a great avenue for us. What was What made you decide? What made you say, hey, we're going to chase podcasting? Well, it was a little bit out of my comfort zone uh, because, yeah, it was a lot. And actually, the attorney I told you that had talked to me about it, we both had done the the flying trapeze at Club Med at one of our events. And so this might have been a little bit of a dare. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. But it became comfortable. You know, as I went along, it became comfortable. I don't think I knew all the good things that it could do for us and for the people that listened at the time that we set it up. It was a challenge, I think. I I think that would be the biggest thing is it was a challenge. Certainly. And you've kind of alluded to this, and and I do want to chase this this a little bit more, is, you know, you talk about all the good things that it's done for your business and the people who listen. What are some of those what are some of those things? What are so you know some of those like tangible benefits? People reaching out, a listenership, I and mean, what's it done for for your business and for your? Well, yeah, for our business, the listenership has been good. The fact that people can listen on their own time frame, and there's a lot of people that don't like to read; they want to listen. So it's given us another avenue to people. Right. But it also helps us to, I felt the celebrity when I talked to that person, but really it helps us to spread our expertise and other people's expertise. We're able to help other people that are in this, in this business. You know, we have doctors. I had one doctor in the UK who had done a podcast interview for me and it was a good interview. And she, two weeks later, she came back and signed up for another podcast interview because she had more to say. (laughs) 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 so that's nice it not only gets what we want to say out it gets what other people's want to say out and then it also helps to teach our listeners what they want to learn right which is primarily the the sales and the marketing yeah and you know what the nice thing is and that's one of the nicest things about online business is it's not hammering sales all the time it's giving value and ending up with sales as a byproduct. Yeah, of that. Yeah. 
I, I, I like where you're going with this because I'm also a big believer in delivering value. So when you talk about delivering value, especially through a podcast, what are some of the, what are some of the concrete things that, that you're doing? Like some of the, some of the tactical things that, you know, you're sharing with your audience or something. Well, Amanda's gone back and looked to see which of our podcasts are most popular. And, you know, yes. I thought, I thought that probably the medical information was going to be number one, but people listen to us for the business information. They want to know how to get customers. And the funny thing about the people in our industry is that they're natural salespeople because they are helpers and listeners. And that's really the sign of a good salesperson is that they listen and then they give a solution. And I, I think that the more we talk about it, the better understanding that there is. Okay. Did I answer your question or did I talk around it? I'm sorry. No, it's exactly, <laughs> it, you know, it's exactly what it is I was looking for. And so first off, I always tell, you know, my clients when I'm working with them with podcasting is don't pay attention to the downloads, right? It's more important for you to get your message out there and start developing and creating your audience. But that is one of the things that I'm glad you pointed that out is that by monitoring the number of downloads you're getting on a podcast, it tells you the, the types of content that right. are really resonating with people. So that way you can say, okay, like for instance, what you noticed was that it wasn't so much of, you know, the healthcare, maybe the latest breakthroughs. It was more along the lines of the sales or the marketing or, or how to reach more people or how to phrase your offer a little bit differently to, to get people to respond. Right, right. So when you got into podcasting way back in the day, because I, I know you said it was a little bit scary and, and you know what it is for a lot of people. So kudos for overcoming that and pushing forward. What was one of your biggest struggles when you get into podcasting? I understand that you had somebody that you were the editing and all the technical stuff. We've got somebody, but what was one of your biggest struggles when you got into podcasting? Feeling comfortable with talking to people and, and really not talking to people, but what seemed like talking to my microphone and feeling like it was actually going to be heard in a manner that I wanted it to be heard. I have, I had a priest when I was in <laughs> grade school ask my friend to ask me to move away from the microphone and not sing or <laughs> when I was yeah so, oh. <laughs> so i had that problem to start with <laughs> and the first time you hear it now when we do the intro and the outro of our podcast but i'll bet you i had to record that nine times wow yeah before it sounded good to me because i also have a tendency to get bored with what i'm saying <laughs> and then i go monotone <laughs> oh yeah. So I had to work on that a lot, but now I don't, you know, I'll do the intros. I actually, you did the intro with me right here, which was kind of fun to hear. I'm learning a lot from you. Usually I do the intros when nobody's listening and I normally don't have to do those over and over and over again. I can feel comfortable reading them and sounding like I'm interested in what I'm saying anyway. And I right. always am interested in what I'm saying. It just doesn't sound like it. Why? Well, so I get what you're talking about there with regards to you know, overcoming that fear of your own recorded voice. And, and I've always thought that on some level, and I know this is just a hang up in the back of my head, but every time I hear my voice, I'm thinking, God, I sound like Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know, who wants to listen to Charlie Brown talk for 30 minutes, like every day or twice. This podcast actually comes out twice a week. 
So who wants to listen to me for a total of an hour, you know, every week, but I have to remind myself it's about the content. Well, and you've got a good voice. You're easy to listen to. Well, thank you. You know what? The first time that I, it helped me to get over that was having a guest who I could tell was uncomfortable. And so when you put yourself in more of a position of making the guest feel more comfortable, it takes all the pressure off of you. Yes. So, yeah. So, okay. So I got a little story about that. Uh, Exactly. Maybe you've got one as well. So my very first interview that I did, uh, this was like my very, my very first podcast that went into pod fade back in the day. And my very first guest was uh, a Frenchman who had uh, come to the U S met a woman. That's where it seems like most stories always start, but he met a woman, fell in love and moved to the States. They've got five, six kids, beautiful family, wonderful man. He showed up for the very, and I was nervous. This is my first face-to-face interview. This was before, long before COVID or anything else. And he was just beyond nervous. Like he was like shaking nervous, like so scared. And so I'm nervous too. But one of the things that I realized was like, you know what? He's depending on me and I can't let him down. Right. So all of a sudden I assumed I, I was no longer like scared little Cliff. I am the host of the show and I need to make sure that he's comfortable. So when I asked him like the first couple of questions, he was really nervous. You could hear it in his voice. I realized I'm like, cause you know, he and I had talked a couple of times. So he knew that I spoke French. So my next question, I busted it out in French and he kind of gave me a double take and all of a sudden he just relaxed. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And we talked a little bit in French and then we switched back to English and he was totally calm. One of the best interviews. I had so many people share that uh, because it was like a local community-based podcast, but so many people shared that episode. He was so proud of that episode. You know, it was unreal, but it was, it was because, you know, it was just on a lark that I just did something to do a pattern interrupt to let him know that, Hey, this is okay. I've learned to keep that little trick in mind. Of course, it's a little different talking to podcasters, but I've had to keep that little trick in the back of my mind when somebody is just not used to interviewing is what can I do to make them, you know, more comfortable and talk about what it is that they're truly passionate about. Yeah. Very good. That's a, that's something I'll write down and keep in my little tool book. <laughs> what has been one of your biggest successes from that has come from your podcast? That's a good question. I think the the biggest success are the people that send me the emails and say, you are doing such a great thing with this and able to help us in ways that we have not been able to find help before. I think that that's my number one. Getting sales is nice, but being able to help people and then hearing about it is awfully nice. Well, it also sounds like from what you've been describing there, it's you're helping them build a sales process and marketing processes that, that actually, and also at the same point in time, it sounds like you're also helping them with kind of like their mental game. Oh yeah. The mental game is a big part for people in, you know, the wellness as wellness practitioners, because no matter what education they have, they still feel like they're lacking. And that's one of the things that that is happens a lot in this industry is that you finish one certificate or um, degree or whatever, and you don't feel like it's enough. So you just keep going and going and going and going. And sometimes it just takes stepping back and um, 
feeling comfortable with what you're doing. We did a series of successful health coaches, and that ranged anywhere from doctors to health coaches to people who were doing like multi-level marketing that felt like they needed more education to be able to help the people with the products that they were selling. And just having people be able to hear the success the successes of other people in the industry was really nice. Beautiful. And what would you say would be probably like the number one mental challenge that you're seeing from, from your podcast listeners, from your clients, if it would it be imposter syndrome, what would, what would it be? I think imposter syndrome is a lot of it, but I think most of it is fear. I think that a lot of people instill their own fear and they, they can get along. We've got a lot of people that go all the way through. And then when it comes time to advertise, they won't do it. And yeah. it's, it's a fear and I, it's money-based. It's also part of the imposter syndrome thing. You've got to get over both things. Yeah, you do. And this was actually a really uh, wonderful conversation that I had just a couple of weeks ago with between myself and my coach is talking about that innate fear of, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, do you know who Brene Brown is? Yes, I do. Okay. So I love her stuff. I love her. I'd like to sit down and have, to have a cup of coffee, just pick her brain for an hour. She is just, she's wonderful. I love her work, but it's that what I peg it as the fear of vulnerability, right? When you're going out there and you're talking to somebody and trying to get them a client, you, for all its sense of purposes, are opening yourself up to not only the opportunity, but for the potential of rejection. And we all know from a sales standpoint that there's going to be a lot more people that say no, that say yes. And so having opening yourself up to that potential rejection uh, for some people is just really hard to do. And, and like you were talking about the, that fear kind of sets in and uh, obviously you're the coach in this, but what do you think of that whole line of thought? Well, I think that the more wins you have, the better you can accept rejection Ooh. as, you know, <laughs> it, it's easier to accept rejection if you've had a few wins, but first starting out, not having the wins underneath your belt, it's harder to take. And it takes a lot to get past those first few rejections. I think you see all of those memes out there that show how many times all these famous people were rejected before they finally yeah. you know, became, and that makes it a little bit easier to um, accept. But it would be nice if we could manufacture some wins for ourselves before we have to go accept all the rejections to get to the wins. And I find a lot of the times it doesn't even have to be big wins. They can be small wins. Any kind of win. <laughs> Any kind of win is important. And I'll tell you, I think one of the best things I ever did for, to help my sales was when I was in California and I had clients that I was working for, I picked up uh, real estate as a part-time gig. Mm -hmm. Boy, if you want to get rejected, go into real estate. <laughs> You know, especially in California, one out of every six people in California is a real estate agent. You, you cannot throw a rock into a crowd without hitting at least four of them and, you know, working open houses and uh, talking with people every like, nope, already got an agent, already got an agent. Or, I mean, it's just rejection after rejection after rejection. And, but the thing is you don't, you're not going to get a client unless you get out there and try. And I think that right there 
uh, helped me out a lot as far as sales go and just getting used to that rejection, you know, and, and granted, I know a lot of people don't want to get into real estate just to be rejected, <laughs> you know, but I think you're absolutely right. I think setting yourself up for some early wins, no matter how small they might be, puts you in a better position because then when somebody does says, says no, you're, then you just realize, okay, well, this person said, no, that's fine. Let's move on to the next person. Let's just, you know, let's try this out. Listen to one of your podcasts and say, oh, okay, here's another marketing strategy that I can try. Yeah, well, changing your thoughts about rejection yes. is helpful too, because once you get to the point where you understand, first of all, that the rejection isn't about you, it's about the person who is rejecting. Once you can accept that, and then also accepting rejection as a learning process, then that turns the rejection automatically into a win. Yeah, I agree. And it's, for me, it was the, the hardest thing to do is because everybody always, and I'm, I'm human just like everybody else, but when that rejection sets in, it, I have a tendency to take it personally. And part of that is, is my, and I fight it every day, my need for, for perfection. Mm -hmm. And what I have is good and you got to be crazy not to take this, but people still say no, they really do. So it's the thought, like you said, that we attach to it. My mindset coach, Kristen Goodman, she's just awesome. She turned me onto this model CTFAR, circumstance, thought, feeling, action, result. And the circumstance is, you know, somebody says no. Our first thing is, is what is the thought associated with that? And if we sit there and think, the, oh, well, this is bad. They rejected me, whatever it is, then the feeling that follows is the one that's really the disappointment. And so with working with her, I had to reframe my thought that when somebody says no, my first thought was they said no, because I took a step forward, right? I'm moving my business forward. If I hadn't taken that step, if I hadn't heard that, no, that meant I wasn't doing anything right. So what by just by, by changing that thought, my feelings became better. Cause at least I tried, at least I put myself out there. They said, no. Okay, move on to the next person. But that was the hardest part is when they say no, just understanding that that's nothing more than a data point. Right. You know? and, and their reasoning maybe, well, almost always has nothing to do with you. It has more to do with what their circumstances are. Yep. I think too, as you get practiced with it, once you find out or, or learn ways to find out why they said no, it can help you to either get them to yes or to move on and know that there's just nothing that you have for them. Yeah, because, and that's the truth be told, you may not know what the other person's circumstances are. It could be financial, could be they're dealing with a death in the family, they could be going through uh, a divorce, or maybe they're just not ready. You know, and the best thing to do that I found anyways, is when somebody does say, you know, continue, like you were talking about, add value, right? Continue to invest in that relationship, whether it's just sending them emails with information or just sending on an email every now and then person to person and just say, Hey, just checking in. How's everything going? How you doing? How's life treating you? And treat it for the relationship it is. You know, if, if you've gotten to a point where you can at least ask them and they got an opportunity to say no, that, that tells me right there that you're at least probably on some kind of a friend level with them. So you just continue to, to grow the relationship. And they, they, it's like I said, they might say no today. They could say yes tomorrow. Yeah. Well, they're looking for an answer or else they wouldn't be talking to you. That's correct. You could also consider that as a win because if they chose you to talk to, then there's your first win. 
<laughs> well, yeah, there you go. You're talking about small win. Just, yeah, you're right. Just because they reached out to you is always a good sign. Yeah. So for the entrepreneur that's out there right now, they've got a podcast. Maybe they're struggling with it. Uh, what would be a piece of advice that you would give them? That's a hard one to answer because my first, I think my first position on that would be to make yourself a pro and con list. What's it giving you and what's what's it taking away from you? And do the pros outweigh the cons? For me, it would be silly for me to stop my podcast. I think we're almost to 200 now. Right. I think I've done one a week. I know I've done one a week for however long you need to, to get 200 podcasts. (laughs) But you know what? I would make sure you've got a good team. I would also offer that if it's overwhelming you to do fewer instead of stopping it, you know, and seeing how that would work out and to maybe look at what it is that's not making you comfortable with the podcast. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And there's something to be said that the important thing is when you've got a podcast, you're publishing episodes, make sure that you're doing it consistently. But the hard lesson here is, and I've talked about this in other episodes, but I'm going to keep saying it. It's what's consistent for you. Consistent does not mean every day does not mean every week. It's what's consistent for you. So I'm glad that you said that because there are podcasts out there that are really super successful that are once a month, once every two weeks, you know, you could find them all over like, like the, there's one podcast I listen to hardcore history and he's like one episode every six months, but you know, you listen to his episodes and they're like, they're, they're awesome. And I love history. And I'll bet you know? he has to do some research for those. <laughs> oh he, yeah. He does. Do, have you listened to hardcore history? No, I haven't, but I might now, because I think that would be very interesting to hear about. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love it. Especially if I'm on a long road trip, uh, I drop one of his episodes in and just the way he talks about history and, you know, some of the military stuff or what, and he's all over the map, by the way, it's not just, you know, the U S in, in world war two. I mean, he's, he's, he talks about all these different battles and wars and reads all these books and stuff, but he really does dedicate the time to make these episodes phenomenal. Right. And all he does is ask for a $1 donation. That's it. Oh, but that's it's nice. Yeah, but it's crazy popular. And like I said, it's like once every six months, he drops a, a new episode. In the middle of summer, he'll drop an episode. Then around Christmas time, it's like the best Christmas present ever. But again, it's about finding what is what is consistent for you. What works with your schedule? Well, and we got to the point where we were not ahead with our podcasts. Ooh. And it would come to Thursday when we had to have our podcast in to get it out on Monday. And I'd be sitting there looking through my blog, seeing what I could do a monologue on. <laughs> right. And you know what? I did those and those ended up being some of people's favorites too. You would never think that, but I don't like operating that way. I like being ahead. So there's things you can do to make yourself more comfortable with it. I always tell uh, my clients, it's a combination of solo and interviews that are the best. Uh, because if you find yourself like you were in a position where you need an episode, you could just step up to the microphone, do a monologue, rip out a solo episode. But like you said, and this is something I noticed very early on in my podcasting career, my solo episodes always seem to do really good. Well, do you know what? If we do a solo episode, a lot of the times we pick it because it's something that's popped up in the 
recent past, you know, like right. that week, you've got a bunch of health coaches that are struggling with getting their list built and they just don't know where to start. And so you get on and you can shoot off 45 minutes of step-by-step -step how they should get their list built. And for a lot of people, that's very helpful. Certainly. At the time of this recording, I just released episode five and it was really something that I was passionate about. And I really do think that's probably one of my best episodes I've ever done. I could just let it out and say, hey, this is my philosophy. This is my framework. This is why I believe what I do. Here is my argument. And yeah, it was like 15 minutes. So it's a lot longer than my regular episodes. But for this podcast here, that's what I'm doing. And what I'm committing to going forward is every fifth episode will be a solo episode because I really do, in addition to providing all that high value to the audience, I want to make sure that myself is that I'm focusing on taking the time to build a relationship between me and the audience. Right. So Yeah. And then if you get ahead and you can throw those in whenever you do feel passionate about something, you can have those in the coffers to pull out of, to put in yeah. when you need them. In the queue as well. So yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Kathy, if people want to follow you online, check out your podcast, getting tips on marketing and sales for their coaching uh, business, what would be the best way for them to find you? We have a good website. It's thehealthcoachgroup.com. And that's probably the easiest way to get to us. We have resources up at the top in the menu, and you can pick that, and that'll go to the podcast or the blog or to anything that we do. And then it gives you some other ways. We're also on Facebook, and that's just at the Health Coach Group. Wonderful. And for our audience, we will make sure to have all those links in the show notes down below. Kathy, it's been awesome having you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for making time for us. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Hey everyone, I wanted to let you know that enrollment for our free five-day Start My Business podcast challenge is officially open. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking a podcast would be a great way to grow your business, but you're not sure how to start one, then this challenge is for you. This challenge is designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Now within the five-day challenge, you'll go from ground zero to having a fully operational podcast that you can use to start growing your business. I'll be sharing with you simple tips and tricks that took me years to learn that will prevent you from spending hours on one episode. Head over to startmybusinesspodcastchallenge.com or click on the link in the show notes down below. We'll see you there.